Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to episode 90 of the Boomer Bebo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma, and the University of Texas. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Kevin, for the first time since 2009, the University of Texas has 10 wins. You are on the verge of your uh, first Big 12 championship since 2009. And the Iowa State Cyclones did not want to yield, especially with the help of the Big 12 referees who did not want to cede this 10-win season to you. Yet you pulled out victoriously 26-16, to despite having a A.D. Mitchell touchdown called back for holding, a Xavier Worthy 85-yard punt return called back for a mysterious block in the back. It did not matter. You overcame. You are 10-2 and on the season, a win over Alabama on the road. All you have left between here in Arlington and a potential shot at the college football playoff is the Texas Tech Red Raiders at home on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Kevin, how does it feel to be sitting in the driver's seat, to be one win away from a Big 12 championship game, and to be the clear and undisputed leader in the conference? Well, it feels great. And you said we're 10 and 2. We're actually 10 and 1. 10 and 1. 10 and 2. 10 and 2. You got two losses. No, No, you just have one loss? You just have one loss? You guys. Just y'all. Y'all the only one. Only Oh, my gosh. I I stand corrected. Otherwise, perfect season. Yeah. I stand corrected. I hope that is not a precursor or a premonition. I stand corrected. Your only loss to the University of Oklahoma on October 7th, 2023. 34-30, 34-30, last second play to Nick Anderson. But you're correct. You are correct. 10-1. and one. It's got to feel pretty good right now, man. Yeah, it does, man. It's been a long time since we've had a season like this, right? And it seems they just keep finding ways to win. You know, I, I was really impressed by how they played yesterday, right? There are a couple things, of course, like with every game, the things are going to drive you crazy and, and just frustrate you overall. But, no, I thought we had a very efficient performance. It was a professional win. Right. You go up there on a the road. It was a very hostile environment. I thought they did a really good job of running the football. CJ Baxter looked great. Um, getting the bulk of the carries for the first time in his young career. He did a really good job over 100 yards rushing. I thought Quinn did a good job. He was shaky in the first quarter. Right. He had a, you know, a couple near interceptions in the first quarter. But once he settled in, I thought he was really good. And our receivers made plays. Offensive line did a good job. And the defense was great. They let up one touchdown on a um, on that pop pass on fourth down to the tight end. It's a great play design by them. Yeah, it was. it was a great play design. I mean, it first it looked like they were just trying to get us to jump outside. Right? With it being because they kind of ran to the line quick. And then the quarterback kind of got the snap and ran forward and then just kind of a jump pass with the tight end. It was a great call. But other than that, I thought our defense was great. We covered well. We tackled well. We gave up some yards. But, again, uh, no big plays at all other than that one. So, yeah, well, man, I was really impressed by them. I'm really excited about where the team is going. I thought you're right. After after the first quarter, Quinn was very efficient, ending up 23 for 33, 281 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, You're going up against a Texas Tech team that I mean has had this date circled pretty much since the last since last season ended everybody's been talking about it they have Texas Tech has absolutely freaking nothing to lose nothing they can come in and throw the entire playbook at you they can go trick plays they can go zero blitz they can do it all are you concerned at all about what Texas Tech could potentially throw at you or do you feel like the team is beyond the, the the games that can be played by a by a low, lesser opponent like a Texas Tech. Oh no, I think you always have to be aware of what they can do because of what you just said, right? Nothing to lose. They can throw the whole playbook. They can be throwing all types of reverses and every trick play in the book, and just for the role of playing spoiler, right? And 
for them, their season has not gone the way that they hoped it would go. But all can be forgotten with the win over Texas and keeping them potentially out of the conference championship game. So, yeah, we have to be aware of that. And But, you know, I, I think the team will be prepared and ready to go. Well, if we take a – by the way, Oklahoma with a road win over BYU, we'll talk more about that, 31-24. Uh, real quick, just thank God for Billy Bowman and uh, and, a, and a close second of Danny Stutzman. They just were absolute studs in the game. Uh, I'll share my experiences when we recap the BYU, but it was just, it was a great trip overall. But before we jump into the Nationals – the national uh, look back, I want to go through the big 12 championship um, scenarios, right? We've got one week left. So there's still, even to, even at this point in recording, this is, we're recording at three 30 on Sunday afternoon. There is still questions over what could possibly happen with who. And if, if this team wins and this team wins and this team wins, the tiebreakers is still causing people a ton of heartache for the university of Texas. It is very, it's yeah, really ahead. inexcusable from the Big 12 Conference, by the way, that we're a week out from the Conference Championship game and there's still questions on the scenarios. This should be crystal clear. And the Big 12 needs to put this out, right? Like the NFL every year, okay, they put out this thing. If this team wins, if this team loses, if this team gets in, that's how it all works. For us to be sitting here and still unsure over the scenarios, to me, is just completely inexcusable by the Big 12 Conference. Well, yeah, I mean, they clarified it last week, and we all made fun of them uh, because it was just stupid. But now that we're here, it's I, – I don't know. I, I just think that the the league is so close right now, wins and losses, that it's creating just a bunch of confusion. And one little – one one game can have a ginormous impact on the, on the entire standings. But I think for Texas, they've got the clearest, easiest – most likely path to the Big 12 championship game, you win and you're in. To be able to control your own destiny must feel really, really good, especially when it's a home game against Texas Tech. It does because usually, you know, if we're even in the conversation for playing for the conference, it's like, all right, well, if this team loses and then that team beats that team, then we're in. Now it's time to just have it completely in your own hands. So for Oklahoma, in order to be first in the Big 12, which I don't think it matters. I mean, we're just trying to get into the game, but this is the way this article was set up that I was reading. If you're first in the Big 12, you've got to get there with a win over TCU, a Texas loss, and an OSU loss. That puts Oklahoma as the number one seed. Just to get in the game, you can either happen with a Texas win and an OSU loss, so in this case, you actually Oklahoma fan actually wants Texas to win and OSU to lose. Because if it's the other way around with a Texas loss and an OSU win, it knocks Oklahoma out. The other one is a Texas loss, an OSU win, and a K-State loss, which is okay. which is most likely the hardest thing to happen. Because I think K-State, I'm remind me of who K-State plays. I'll, I'll pull up their schedule. Keep going. Um, so anyway, my point is Oklahoma needs a lot of help. They, first of all, they've got to beat what has been a very bipolar TCU team that like either loses by a lot or wins by a lot, right? They have been up and down yeah. all year. It's It's been very odd. Played y'all to the last minute of the game, 26-23. Uh, I think the difference is going to be Oklahoma's at home, but we've got to talk about it because we might or might not have Dylan Gabriel, um, might or might not have Jaleel Farouk. Uh, so there's a couple things that could impact yeah. that game. However, it doesn't State, matter. Uh, Kansas Here. State hosts Iowa State. So they'll be playing Iowa State in Manhattan next Saturday night. Well, so then if you're Oklahoma, if Texas has – if OSU wins, you're rooting for a Texas loss and a K-State loss. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, Oklahoma can still get in with a Texas win. And if Oklahoma gets if – it, if it's the scenario where you get a Texas win – and an OSU loss, you have a rematch rematch of the Red River shootout. So that's the Boomer Beagle podcast is rooting for that for obvious right. reasons. Uh, there is the Oklahoma side that says they'd rather play Oklahoma State, um, but there's not a lot of scenarios. Well, the scenario that gives you a Bedlam rematch is the Texas loss, the OSU win, and the K-State loss. Correct. That gives you a Bedlam rematch. So if you're rooting for a Bedlam rematch, you want that. 
If you're rooting for a Texas rematch, you want a Texas win and an OSU loss. And then if you want to play K-State, you're rooting for a Texas loss and an OSU loss and a K-State win. And remember, um, Oklahoma State has BYU. Oklahoma State has BYU, who even despite 31-24 of close game against Oklahoma, I don't – I still don't think they're that great. Their quarterback. No, really no, that that great no, um, no. I thought he did some good things, but you know, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Anyway, it's very confusing. Uh, but at the end of the day, Texas, you win and you're in. And I think that's, that's the key takeaway for Texas fan. For Oklahoma fan, you just, you can't worry about anything else. You, you, you have to go beat te- TCU and whatever happens, happens. If you beat TCU and you end up 10 and two in the regular season, and you fall short. It can be a disappointment. It, I will be disappointed we don't make the Big Twelve, but I will be able to get over it with a ten and two. Yeah, if you we go can, on, if we go out and fall on our face and lose to TCU, I'm going to be pissed at nine and three. I'm going to be yeah, pissed. All right, it's yeah, and it's, it's not not that nine and three is a horrible season, but it's how you got there, right? Where it looked like you could be, absolutely. After the Red River Shootout win over Texas, you're undefeated. You're you know at that point yeah. you're top ten in the country. It looked like you, you know, for a potential college football playoff national championship contender. So I get that. Again, the BYU game it's at Stillwater Saturday at two thirty. So the OU game will be over, right? Because it's an eleven. The, the OU game you is played play on Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday morning. Texas plays Friday night, by the way, same night. So wow. Okay. Um, in national games, uh, number one Georgia blew out Tennessee thirty-eight to ten. This makes 28 games in a row for Georgia, tying an SEC record for most consecutive wins. Um, I believe USC, the 04-05 USC teams had 31 wins in a row. And then that the, the very next, uh, it, that was in second place all time. And then, of course, the all-time leader is Oklahoma at 47. Here's the thing that makes the Georgia win even more impressive, even, the, even I think, than the USC win is that Georgia's had to do it in an era with a conference championship and a playoff scenario every year. They've had to win in the playoff. So that's really impressive. 28 wins in a row in the SEC. And I don't even care if they're getting a weak SEC schedule. It doesn't matter. Dude, they still have to play Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, um, Missouri. Dude, they're still playing teams like – yeah, exactly. It's just, At least you find teams with good players, right? Even if they aren't necessarily teams, you know that there's talent on all those teams that they're playing. So yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. Uh, they're they're going to end. Impressive. They're going to end their season against Georgia Tech, and then a matchup against Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game. I mean, Texas. Texas has all eyes on that game, obviously, uh, because the implications. The prevailing thought, it seems like, on Twitter and on most of the college football shows on TV is that Alabama will jump Texas. I think it's just clickbait. I I still can't get over – I can't envision a scenario where a team that loses to a team jumps them. You know what, man? I see what you're saying, but I've got concerns just because the way Texas has looked, I've been happy with how we've been playing. But from the national standpoint, if they beat – Georgia, the number one team in the country, I just see them putting in Alabama over Texas. I will be pissed, but I would like I'm already preparing myself for it. I've said it for the last three weeks on here. I know. I just I can't I can't see that. And maybe it's because I don't want Oklahoma to ever be in that position and it happened. I don't not once we're going to a 12 team playoff, I think it's the last year that that's likely to happen. It would be really kind of weird there, you know, if you're the 12th team in for it to be as big a deal, but the top four, you went to Alabama and you beat them. Like, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be the attorney for Texas on this deal, but it just shouldn't even matter. Like you went to Alabama and beat them. So I don't even know what we're talking about. Um, Ohio state uh, beats Minnesota 37, three setting up a two versus three matchup against Michigan who holds on to beat Maryland 31, 24, but does notch their 1000 program, 1000th program win. Uh, Michigan's a blue blood, but they haven't won a lot in a long time. Are you excited about Ohio State, Michigan? Oh, man. I mean, talking about game of the season stuff, it's all on the line. We've seen this from them, you know, a few times over the last few years when it was when both teams were undefeated. I think back in 06, 
we had a similar matchup with them. Remember that with Troy Smith Absolutely. playing quarterback for Ohio State, and um, they're both undefeated. Yeah, so it's like who's going to make the playoff, and we'll find out, man. It's it's a massive game. There's so much on the line. The fact that Jim Harbaugh will not be on the sidelines coaching is a, it's a huge deal, right? And I think we saw a little bit of it this week against Maryland. And we'll see if that's something Ohio State can take advantage of, man. But I'm looking forward to this game. and I'll be all over it Saturday morning. Uh, the biggest loss of the week by a top 10, top 20 team came in a win. Florida State over North Alabama, 58-13. The win pales, however, with the loss of quarterback Jordan Travis to a ugly knee injury. This did yeah. not look good. It is not good. He is clearly out for the season. Um, they they looked okay. Their backup looked fine, but again, it's against North Alabama. They've got to go face a a Florida team who just gave uh, Missouri all they could handle. Uh, it's a rivalry game. It's a big deal. I know you, Texas fan. I this is not what I'm saying. Wants to capitalize on an injury like this. However, does this kind of open that door for for Texas to think if we can win out? That's one team we don't have to worry about in Florida State. It does, right? And like you said, I, I really don't want it this way. I no, was hard. It was hard to see in that. He's yeah. having a great year. He's had a really good career for them. They're having a dream season, right? For this to happen, I mean, I think it's like a lower leg type deal. I'm sure he probably broke both bones in his lower leg. I saw him bring out the air cast out there. I mean, it was a horrific looking injury. It's one of those ones that they're not even showing replays of on on a lot of the shows, it was that bad. So yeah. again, they were, and they were down 13, zero North Alabama, but there was no way they were going to lose to North Alabama. Like you said, even with the backup, but Florida is a good team where they got good players. And now is their quarterback has, hurt? Did their quarterback get hurt too, though? He got hurt too, though. Yeah. I think he broke his collarbone. Um, so that does that, so maybe that balances it out. Maybe I so. Guess. Yeah. I, I don't know who their backup is. I have no clue. Who they've got running? Who who does who will Florida State play in that? Because losing to Florida won't affect them getting into the uh, AC, they're in the ACC championship. Yeah, it'll be against Louisville. See, now that could be where it comes to play, right? Correct. It, maybe yeah. not even the Florida game, but maybe that Louisville game in two weeks. That could be what. Uh, yeah, yeah. Louisville had a pretty in. impressive performance. They went down and, and beat Miami down, and you know Miami's always up and down, but they played very well yesterday. And again, it took everything that they had, but they were able to get the win on the road. 38-31. Yeah, 38-31. So it's setting up to be a pretty good game, but, man, without Jordan Travis, we'll see what they can scheme up, right? You know, I'm sure they're going to be talking about the whole Cardell Jones deal, right? They've got your third-string quarterback coming in, and they win the natty with him, right? They, yeah. win the big, they win the conference championship game, and they win two playoff games with the backup quarterback. So, man, we'll see. We'll see, man. I, I wish them well. Washington over Oregon State. 22-20 in a deluge, in a just un... I couldn't believe there was as many fans in the stands as there were. Like, it just looked awful. Yet, it didn't keep Michael Penix. He didn't have great numbers, but he was still slinging it all over the uh, field. He went 13 for 25 for 162 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, DJ Ugalalele, 15 to 31 for 164. Unfortunately, he hit for him, he had two interceptions. Washington pulls it out in the end. Look, dude, they talk about magical season. Washington is having uh, – they're having a year, right, where they are yeah. just figuring out how to win games. I love Michael Penix. Uh, we were talking about it off air. They needed a big throw. It, it didn't matter, rain or no rain. They were putting it in his hands to go ahead and win the game, and he did it. Every time, every time. And the way that they trust him and that they trust those receivers, right, it's fourth and one. They and you know they look like they're gonna run bunch a bunch from it and they just spread everybody out and they just go one on one and they're throwing back shoulder throws to their receivers who are well covered but they just trust both of those guys to make plays and they just delivered all season long but they beat Oregon they beat USC I mean which really doesn't mean much now but this Oregon State team it's a good team right just right outside yeah. the top ten and yep. to beat them on the road in those environments. I've already said this before. I thought they should have been number four over Florida State just because they're they have a better resume, right? And and I wouldn't be surprised if they're ranked number four in the college football play playoff rankings this week. Not just because of the Travis injury, but just I mean, 
how long are we going to just let this happen where they keep winning against good teams? And Well, teams that the playoff committee's ranking, right? The, correct. The, yeah. the playoff committee ranked Oregon State where they ranked them. Correct. And they're beating them. They beat Oregon. They beat Oregon State. They got to be number four this week. It has yeah. to be. I, I agree. Uh, Penix, the numbers weren't necessarily Heisman worthy, but the win was. Getting that yeah. win keeps him on track. But speaking of Heisman candidates, the Oregon Ducks uh, demolish ASU 49-13 in the opposite of a deluge. Probably the best weather in the country. He goes for 404 yards and six touchdowns. All this kid does is put up crazy, ridiculous stats at Oregon. Now, the interesting part about Oregon is if you look at the updated standings, they have not beaten a top 25 team. You and I think they can play with anybody in the country. I, I think they can play with, including Georgia, including Ohio State. I think they can play with anybody in the country. However, the argument is made that if they get put up against a Texas team who can show their record and their top 25 wins versus an Oregon team and their top 25 wins, that could be a plus a, a plus in the column for Texas if Oregon is somehow able to beat Washington in a Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. If you watch both teams play, right, you look at it, I would say I think Oregon might be a better football team than Texas, right? When you actually well, watch think, them, but well, without even without even taking a shot at Quinn, this is not just my typical take a shot at Quinn comment. I mean, Bo Nix is a better quarterback than Quinn Ewers right now. This yeah, year, I mean, the only guy you could even say is as good has been Penix and maybe Caleb Williams, right? Yeah, but as far as like you know, teams with that record for sure. But when you look at the resume of both teams, I, I do think that Texas has an impressive, more impressive resume. Um. I think they do have a better loss, though, you know, losing that close game to Washington, losing Oklahoma. No harm in losing Oklahoma, but the fact that Washington is undefeated and Oklahoma has two losses. So I will give them that, that you have the better loss if that's. Well, if we if we just lost the game to somehow screw Texas, then maybe it was worth it. I don't know. Probably not. Um, Alabama in their late season cupcake game win 66-10. Jalen Milrow goes for 197 and three touchdowns. Uh, they should roll against Auburn. Auburn just lost to New Mexico State. At home, um, by the way. At home. At home in, a, in one of these games where they pay the school to show up, like a $1.5 million. It, that's a disaster. Who's coaching Auburn again? Remind me. Um, Hugh Freeze is that first year. Oh, His that's right. Event. We talked about it. Yeah. Well, good. Good. I'm glad you lost you. Alabama will kill Auburn in the uh, – uh, uh, 31 to 10, by the way. They didn't just lose. I didn't even write the score down. 31, yeah, 31 to 10. Yes. I don't yeah. even want to think about what Milrow's going to do them. Whatever that, whatever the yeah. game is, I'm I, taking now, the Here's point. how they're going to spin this, right? They'll say that Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year at Alabama. That's just what they're, you know, that's what they'll say here. Rome wasn't built overnight. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't even have a comeback for that because it's so stupid because Auburn sucks. And I don't see a scenario where they're getting any better. And the problem is you add an Oklahoma and a Texas into that conference and Auburn just falls further down on the pecking list. Right. So, so Auburn always was able to say, Hey, we're not Alabama, but we're in the sec come play for us. Now they have to say, well, we're not Alabama and we're not Georgia and we're not Oklahoma and we're not Texas. We're not LSU. um, And sometimes we're not Ole Miss and heck, even some of the time, obviously we're not even Missouri and Oh, well, maybe we're not even Florida. And and don't forget Tennessee and even (laughs) Kentucky's better than we are. So uh, come play for us because we're in the SEC. It just doesn't work that way anymore, right? They had yeah. they they had their they had their shot at glory with Cam Newton, and they took advantage of it. Good for them. Yeah. They won a national championship. Dream season. Um, uh, speaking of the SEC, Missouri and Florida barn burner, thirty three thirty one. Florida is up thirty one thirty. Uh last play of the game, fourth and seventeen. It, Missouri's got fourth and seventeen, and if they don't complete it, the game's over. And Florida allows them to pick up a fourth and 17 right over the middle of the field. Um, Luther Burton, big yeah, time receiver. Well, and I'll tell you what, Theo Wees had a big uh, big play in this game here for Missouri too. Theo Wees had a big time play in this game. Uh, and then Missouri wins it on a last second field goal at home. I'll tell you what, Missouri's had a very good year. Um, they should be They should be really fired up with how they've been. It's going to be interesting to see kind of what bowl game that they can get. Um but yeah, they've done really well. Now, who will Missouri end up? Will they? Who will they end up playing against? Who are the? Who's their final game against? Um, let me check. No, I don't. Arkansas, maybe. 
That would make sense. Let's see. That would make sense. While you're looking that up, uh, Penn State beats Rutgers 27-6. I got to tell you, man, I go through these Big Ten scores every week, and outside of Ohio State and Michigan, it's just like blah, blah, blah. You know, I just – yeah. I could care less. And the game was boring, too. It's just – it's boring. Right. It's just, that, that offense, you know, and they fire their coordinator. Look, the offense not going to get any better when you fire your coordinator at this part in the season. Um, they're, they're hard to watch, man. They really are. It, Even Michigan, terrible. they focus more on defense and running the football, but I can watch Michigan play. I, Penn State is hard to watch, man. It's hard to watch. And so even in a win um, – Ole Miss beat Louisiana Monroe 35-3. LSU, Georgia State, 56-14. Uh, Big-time game in the Big Ten. Big, big scoring up and down the field. Iowa beats Illinois 15-13, to Kevin. What is happening in the Big Ten? I'm telling you, dude, it's it's unwatchable football. It's unwatchable yeah, in the, football. In the Big Ten West, I mean, just – you want to talk about the most unwatchable football you can imagine. The whole oh. division – the whole division's bad. Yeah, it, it's sure. rough, man. And the fact that one of these teams gets to play for the conference, so we get to see Ohio State or Michigan play against the likes of either Iowa, could be or Iowa, Illinois. could be Iowa. Yeah, probably will be. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it may have already been clinched. Unbelievable. Um, I'll tell you what, BYU fan was they uh, they left the Oklahoma game encouraged with how they played because they felt like their team didn't give up and they fought all the way to the end and they played a really good game. They came up. With I a thought it was a score. great, great performance from BYU. So they were okay with the loss. They weren't I even, mean, nobody wants to lose. They were okay. However, their spirits were greatly buoyed by Arizona throttling Utah 42, 18. Listen, you think we hate each other, Kevin, you think Oklahoma fan and Texas fan can't stand each other. I, I continue to remind you, BYU fan and Utah fan absolutely hate each other. There were so many um, Utah fans at the game that were trolling BYU fan by having a Utah hat and an Oklahoma shirt on. Like they were just, oh they were just trolling. Petty. Oh, dude, so petty. They hate, they hate each other, man. They absolutely hate each other. You so know, Joe Young, who, who did a great job, who joined us for our preview episode, kind of hinted at that. I felt like he kind of took it easy on – Utah fan being he's trying to be a little bit professional, but I got the sense that there's no love lost between BYU fans and Utah fans. Dude, I, I will be unprofessional. They absolutely hate each other. They are they are miserable to each other, and it's palpable, dude. It, I mean, the score. I the, the one of the loudest cheers of the day was when the scoreboard showed up on the on the screen, the, an early score. Um, they just can't stand them. Uh, but whatever. Uh, Notre Dame beat Wake Forest forty five seven. Clemson, uh, I think, was a favorite. We had talked about whether they should have been a favorite or not. Beats North Carolina 31-20. So Dabo's got it. He's silencing the critics. He's got it rolling. Matt Brown takes another loss. K-State, Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma needed K-State to lose. It would have really helped some of the situation out. Might not have guaranteed them getting in, but would have helped with some of the tiebreakers. Instead, K-State beats Kansas 31-27 in what was a very good football game, Kansas on their third quarterback. You know, yeah, I'm going to give more credit to Kansas and to their head coach, Lance Leipold. He's done a tremendous job, man, to think with this team with their third-string quarterback. And they were winning for a big part of that game, right? This is a very, very even football game. I think the experience of Will Howard and the rest of those guys on the K-State offense pulled them through at the end. But, no, I was really impressed with Neil Highshaw and, of course, their quarterback. He did a really good job. So, man, he's a really good coach. I At this point, what else does he have to show, right? I'd be surprised if he's at Kansas next year. Yes, I think you leave Kansas for whatever job it is you take. I don't know what job it is that he wants. I, I don't think it's Michigan State. I think Kansas is a better gig than Michigan State. Um. Who else is fired? A and M. Could he go to A and M? I mean, he's going to get paid. Big, would he be big enough for them? You know, would they want him? I mean, it's I not so. he can build a program. It's just Dude, he hasn't had the pressure that A and M would provide them. I mean, imagine the talent base. I mean, at Kansas, he does not get to pull from that talent base, and he has done a tremendous job with guys that had no business performing as well as they did. Highshaw. Uh, all, all those dudes. Yeah, like Neil, he's, I mean, Neil's a guy. He's from Lawrence, Kansas. 
Neil so, is, right? So it's not like he's some five star guy. A&M's, A&M's crazy if they don't interview him. I mean, I'm not saying they like have to hire him, but he needs to be on the list. He needs to be Did on you the, the interview tra- trailer. The interview Jeff trailer. You said that last week that they were two or they were who, one yeah, of the, the guys. Interview were Jeff at. trailer. Yeah, they interviewed him, I believe, on um, Thursday. I don't know. That seems like a weird hire. I just think that's a weird hire, but yeah, I think I think he at least deserves. He warrants an interview from them. Okay. I don't All think right, he should well, be the guy. I'm not saying he should be the guy. I'm not saying that. I feel like if you're Texas A&M, you got to start at the top and work your way down. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure they have a board, right? It's like, yeah. you know, teams deal with players when the draft is coming up or when it comes to recruits, they got a board. Let me ask you I'm this. sure he's not high on their board. We haven't talked about the USC game. We'll get there. But uh, is Lincoln Riley's, has he floated his name over to A&M to maybe try to start over? You know what? <laughs> at this point, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised. He's a Texas guy. Maybe he talks about his Texas roots, the whole deal. Says, I can recruit Texas. I've always recruited Texas. You know, this, this, this that, and the other. I know how the they, Big 12. Hire I, I think they I think if he's interested, I think they'd hire him. I do. You think they hire him after going 75? Correct, yeah. I, I I honestly think that they would. Okay. All right. Uh, let's I'm not saying things. they should. No, no, no. But um, I think they, listen, they would hire him. Would not Oklahoma and Texas fan be fired up if they hired Lincoln Riley? Oh, it would be it would be crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, be, we would we'd be drooling, yeah. dude. We'd be yeah. drooling to play that team. Yeah, yeah. I it, I would. I just want to see how. I'm curious to see how his recruiting would be at Texas A&M. Oh, uh, he would recruit he wide needs, receivers. He, and, and, he would recruit wide receivers and quarterbacks. And That's quarterbacks. what he would recruit. He's got it. Whatever he does, whether it's at A&M or if he stays at SC, man, he's got to get a better recruiting staff because it's. It's not happening, man. That's been the biggest shock. Even more shocking than them going seven and five this year is the lack of elite recruiting. Well, that they've they, done. They lost 38 20 in a battle of probably the best looking uniforms in college football. Um, it looks great when they both wear their home jerseys like that. Kevin, they had three total rushing yards for USC. Three total rushing yards. You got to score wrong on the screen, by the way. UCLA beat them 38 to 20. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. And according to reports, it wasn't that close. I don't know how a team can only have three rushing yards. Their leading rusher, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, uh, had eight carries for 17 yards. So, I mean, some of that was getting sacked or whatever. Listen, I I, I said it last week. I've been saying it now for a couple, three weeks. What the heck's he going to do next year when he doesn't have Caleb Williams? I know, man. It's stay, stay tuned. You know, right. like there, there, there's look, he didn't have Baker and then he gets Kyler Murray. Okay. And then he doesn't get Kyler Murray. Then he brings in the transfer portal. Fair enough. Jalen Hurts, who you've always talked about was probably his best coaching job was Jalen Hurts. But since Jalen Hurts and that trip to the uh, playoff against LSU, it has been a downhill slide every single year. And with highly recruited quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler, two years now, or three years now with Caleb Williams. Every year has been a little worse than the next. Malachi, uh, is it Malachi Nelson? Who's, who's that quarterback? Nelson. Yeah, no, Malachi right. Nelson. Malachi Nelson. Hey, dude, he's a stud. I'm sure he is, right? I'm, we wanted him at OU. I'm not, this is nothing about that kid. Yeah, he, was, no, he was going to OU. Correct. I have no idea who this kid is, except I can say with pretty safe assurance, he's no Caleb Williams. He's not Caleb Williams. Like, he's not going to roll no. out his freshman year and go beat Oregon, Washington, UC, USC. I mean, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. It's not going to happen. Like, so I just – I don't know what's going to happen there. And it is it can, it can is turning less of a vengeful, spiteful thing for OU fan. And I really believe this. And more of just kind of like a situation that we just kind of sit back and go, my God, this is really happening. Is, like, yeah, everything – Everything all that we talk, and a lot of that was not, you know, was just based out of sure, malice. Sure, sure. It's like, oh no, you guys are actually correct, even though, you know, no, it, it's crazy. It, look, it's dude, crazy how this has turned out. You know how fans are, man. We all talk trash, and we all come up with something, some crazy narrative to explain why we're not as good. Uh, you know, this is what was holding us back. You know, and whether it's sour grapes or just what, it doesn't matter. 
you know, and it's like, oh, KD, KD's never going to win. And then he goes and wins two titles in Golden State, right? It's like, uh, like we we really wanted him to be the one that brought him down. I mean, that was never going to happen. But that's the kind of things people say, fans say, yeah. not just Oklahoma fan. But Oklahoma fan, it's like, it's like, you go back and look at the receipts, dude. And it's like, oh, we'll be better off of Brent Venables. Uh, uh, they're going to be, they're going to be terrible on defense. Caleb Williams, they'll never play for it. This, you know, just go down the list. And it's just like things that people outside Oklahoma was going, those people are insane. They have no yeah. concept of what's happening. And now it's like, holy crap. It, you, does that make sense though? It's not so It makes perfect that, sense. Yeah. So all weird. that crap y'all were talking ended up being correct. It, I just don't see, I've, I've heard rumors and I'm sure they're rumors, but tell me if you've heard the same thing. He's lost the locker room. The players I haven't heard that. You. Okay. Well, and again, but, you know, you just hear the stuff, but it it kind no. of looks like UCLA is not that good, dude. That you should be losing no, thirty eight to twenty at home. They're about to fire Chip Kelly. What are you talking about? No, that's what I'm good. saying. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. And then I mean, you look at it, right? Kayla Williams, thirty one or forty two, three hundred and eighty four yards and one touchdown. He got sacked four times, and if he gets sacked four times. That means he, you know, a normal quarterback probably would have got sacked 10. Yeah. We've yeah. seen he's Houdini when it comes to escaping pressure. There is not a more okay, there might I mean Jalen Milrow might be a better downfield runner. Okay. Because yeah. Jalen Milrow is a freak. But there's nobody as good as Caleb Williams in the pocket. Nobody. No, no one is as, as elusive in the pocket as Caleb Williams. I mean, I can't tell you if I've ever seen anybody, and I'm not trying to be, you know, prisoner of the moment here. But this man escapes pressure better than anybody I've ever seen. We saw it from his first big appearance, right, in the cod book. The first play he comes in on that fourth down, we had him dead to rights in the pocket. He gets away and then takes it to the house for a touchdown. I'm like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Seriously, I mean, I never even saw Vince Young do anything like that. No, I mean, look, I – I'm sure that there's a prisoner of the moment aspect to it, but he is, he's in the top five, like all timers, like of just, and and it just furthers your point though, right? If Oklahoma fan who's been really hard on, you know, USC and Texas fan who you in particular, who's been a Caleb Williams fan, but you're not going to fawn all over him for no reason. I mean, we are sitting here saying one of the greatest college quarterbacks we've ever seen. And the dude went seven and five, Kevin. Seven and never five. Played, never even played for a conference title. He played Utah. Utah beat him last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, Utah beat him last year. Yeah, we never won a conference, never played, made the playoff. Nope. And it's crazy, right? I mean, at least with you, like with you guys, right? Your best players that you've ever had, at least your best quarterbacks. Kyler Murray playoff. Baker Mayfield playoff. Sam Bradford played for a national championship, right? Jason with White Texas. played for two. Yeah. Well, correct. Adrian Texas. Peterson was it? Adrian Peterson was in one. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Correct. Yeah. Right. Vince Young won a natty. Colt McCoy played for one. Right. So I mean, when you have historically good players, you at least want to make it count. Right. Yeah. And OU has made it count. Right. I feel like obviously you should have won a natty with one of those guys, but you at least you were in the mix. They were not even in the mix. Well, the it, game, it's it's disappointing, listen, man, it, it, for someone who's a fan of him. It, it's uh, you talk about the one, the one that got away was the one with Baker, you know, Bob Stoops coaches that team and who's to know. I mean, I think we liked Lincoln as, as a play caller. He was great. He was still been calling those plays against Georgia, but I think the calls would have been different, especially at the end of the game. Um, I think Baker probably at least plays for a national title in the finals, but anyway, regardless enough about the, it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's going to be a continue to be a fascinating story. Um, and I now he goes to AM. Oh my god, I love it. All right, uh closing out scores. Oh, well, we need to talk about this one. This game had o- Oklahoma Big 12 implications all over it. Uh Oklahoma State was down almost well the entire first half to Houston. And you got the feeling that man, this was gonna go the direction of the UCF game. Oklahoma State was gonna fall on their face. Well, Mike Gundy finally realized that he actually has Ollie Gordon in the backfield, and maybe let's just give him the ball. In the first half, he rushed for a total of 33 yards. He ended the game with 164 yards and three touchdowns. The the dude is really, really, really good. And if Oklahoma State can just get out of his way, I don't see how they lose to BYU. I hope they do. Oklahoma needs him to. But I, I don't know who stopped. I didn't see anybody on BYU's team that's stopping, all of, that's stopping Ollie Gordon. 
No, me neither. Me neither, man. He's a really good football player. You know, we talked about him the whole the whole season, right? I talked told you how I wish Texas would have would have gotten him because he's just a special player with that size and that speed. He's tough. You know, he can be a workhorse running back too. So Houston, though, right? We saw this kind of against Texas. We've seen this throughout the season. They come out with their hair on fire sometimes. And man, it did not look good. For Oklahoma State early. I mean, Houston are throwing reverse passes to the quarterback for touchdowns and everything, man. So 23 to 9, they got a safety. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Oklahoma State had the ball in their deep in their own territory and they hand it off to Gordon and they smack him in the end zone for a safety. It's 23 to 9 at that point. And remember, they're kicking off after the safety yeah. to Houston. And there's a minute and 30 you know, left it in the half. And then they throw an interception, they score, and then they get another turnover and score. So next thing you know, it's like 29 to 20 really quick. So, and then they just dominated in the second half. So I, yeah. I thought it was an impressive win for them after being down, especially no. on the road. Not that Houston is some kind of big-time environment, but, you know, it's on the road. Oh, you, lose, you, you lose the way you did to UCF a week prior and you get down like that. There, there's, It's inevitable for there to be a kick, uh, a give-up factor kick in, you know, and it's not just kind of the nature of sports, but they didn't – it didn't kick in. And I got to tell you, it, this – I think Houston was a much better shot for Oklahoma State losing than BYU. So right. I, Oklahoma fans looking at this week going, we got to win against TCU. Speaking of TCU, they beat Baylor. 42-17, and then Texas Tech beats UCF 24-23. So both the teams we're playing are coming off with wins. Um, I've Is Dave Miranda lo- done? Uh, and Baylor. It, man, it, it hasn't gone well since that first year with uh, Matt Rules. Players. Uh, players, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they should fire him. If they're smart, they fire him. You've got to call it, and they need to call it. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get yeah. worse. Well, if they fire him, man, Lincoln Riley needs to call him and get him to L.A. That's not a bad idea. Dude, he's a tough-minded guy, but, I mean, I don't know. He he just he looks like the kind of dude that just needs to be focused on one thing at a time. You know? Yeah. He doesn't look he doesn't look like if he sat in a job interview that you'd be like, hey, can you handle multiple things? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. I can. No. It's like, hey, do you do one thing really well at a time? Yes, I do. Okay, great. Go call defensive plays. Like, that's what you need to do. I think he can Here's do it. Here's his coaching record real quick. Two and seven. 12 and 2 in 2021. 6 and 7 last year, and then 3 and 7 this year. Yeah, it's just not good. No. It's not good enough at Baylor, especially when Baylor has you you you've seen the ability to win at Baylor, obviously under Bryles, but then even under Matt Rule. Um, and then even under Aranda. Like it is possible to win at Baylor. They've got the resources, they want to win. You're now you're now don't have to go up against Texas and or and or Oklahoma, which by the way, wasn't necessarily your roadblock every year. So correct, you know it's uh, it yeah. should be an opportunity to, to get back into the place mm-hmm. of the league. Then that's what over two years. I mean, they won the Sugar Bowl. They won the conference and won the Sugar Bowl. The twelve and two year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Big Twelve champions and won the Sugar Bowl, and then six and, and seven beat, last year. They were they ranked beat, ten. They beat Oklahoma State on a. Uh, one inch stop at the goal line. I mean, it was crazy. Right. One of the closest right. ever game-ending plays. All right, um, we've all had heartbreaking losses. That's 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 beyond heartbreaking. There, I can't imagine. It, it was brutal. Couldn't have happened to a better team than Oklahoma State. All right, um, I need to shout out Brown O'Haver before we start talking BYU because Brown O'Haver paid for my way to BYU, and I appreciate it. They wanted me there in person to cover the game. Brown O'Haver is a public insurance adjusting firm. Work for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss to your home or your business that you need to file an insurance claim on from fire, wind, theft, flood, vandalism, whatever the case may be, you want to call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Ask to speak to Kevin, ask to speak to me. Um, if you want some real work done, ask to speak to Jessica or Alice or Kiara. They will get you taken care of. Don't forget Jeffrey, who accurately predicted USC would finish 7-5. and five. There's a lot of good things happening at Brown O'Haver. Give them a call, 405-735-5510. Kevin, I've gone 45 minutes without getting to talk about what was 
honestly one of the best road trips I've ever been on. Okay, I've got to ask you this. Okay, D- oh, go ahead. Real go quick, ahead. let me ask you this. I don't even know I, where to I start. Saw, so you asked me okay, a question. I, I watched the broadcast. Right, they kept showing these long john donut things that everybody in the stands seemed to have. Did you yeah. get one? Yes. Okay. How were they? Were they as good as they looked on TV? They were unbelievable. Cougar tails. Cougar Cougar tails. Okay, so when I was there for the Virginia game, like in 2015 or 16, whenever that was, they had cougar tails for sale. But it was like 100 degrees outside. So that that didn't, like, jive with it. Like, I had no interest in trying to like a donut. Dude, it was 44 degrees. And this thing looked, and it was warm, and it was soft. And it was covered in, I mean, if you like long johns with maple syrup, with maple uh, icing on them, it was one of the greatest things ever. So there were four of us in our party, okay? There was me, my brother-in-law, his son, and my daughter, and we got one cougar tail. And I had plenty, dude. I had plenty. It was really, really cool. This guy asked me behind, there was a BYU fan behind me. He was like, hey, so uh, what do they have at OU games? Like, what's your, like, you, you know, we've got cougar tails. What do y'all have? And I'm like. I don't know, taco mayo. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what we got. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? Uh, hot dogs. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> we don't have, I'll tell you what, we don't have cougar tails because the, the cougar tail was fantastic. Okay. The venue. Okay. The weather ended up being pretty good. Occasional sprinkles, never really rain, maybe a little bit of rain, but it was fine. Never an issue. The rain was not an issue. The, you got mountains in the background. You've got a fan base that, despite their team being five and five at that point, was rabid. Their student fans were in it. Their uh, their regular fans were in it. It was they had a full on. Their pregame was for a ten a.m. kick. They had a great pregame atmosphere outside the stadium. Inside the stadium, uh, I can't go on enough. And then inside the stadium during the game, just everything that they did to kind of keep the momentum going. It was a TV game. There was a lot of timeouts, a lot of weird stuff happening. But, man, they just kind of kept you in it. And despite the weather, you just never felt cold or anything. And I, I turned to my brother-in-law and I said, I've never really considered going to watch a college football game that didn't include Oklahoma. Like, I'm not that kind of fan that would want to go watch, just pick a team, Tulsa play SMU or something. It just that would never get me fired up. I yeah. think, you know. I would go watch a BYU game. If BYU was playing, if I happened to be in Utah and BYU was playing um, Baylor for the Big 12, you know, in the Big 12 or just, you know, it, insert big, Texas Tech, wouldn't matter. I would go watch it. That's how much I enjoyed the atmosphere at BYU. Everybody was cool. Everybody was chill. But they were rabid. They were excited. And dude, it ended up being a really good game. You know, people can look back and go, well, man, you should have, we should have, the spread is 24 and a half. Listen. Dylan Gabriel goes down. Dylan Gabriel was playing really well in the first quarter. I mean, the first half, 13 to 21, 191 yards, two touchdowns. We were really, he was really moving the ball really well. You have to go to Jackson Arnold, true freshman. Didn't come, I mean, he didn't look like Caleb Williams is a true freshman, but he made a couple of very big time plays. He did what you needed him to do. There was a third and 13 play in the fourth quarter where he hits Farouk on a uh, deep in route that Farouk was not open. He threw him open. It was a really not arm talent was there. Step up in the pocket was there, face the pressure and put it on a dime. And he did it. It was really, really impressive. Sawchuck backed that up with a touchdown. And then um, third and, oh gosh, third and six, third and seven was like two and a half minutes to go where we could have easily ran the ball where we ran the ball against Kansas, you know, where we called a bad play against Kansas and a bad play against Oklahoma State. Apparently, the reports are he checked out of the play, dialed up the screen, uh, dialed up the slant for Jaleel Farouk and hit him on a quick slant to pick up the first down. Farouk gets rocked, rocked. And he might be, he, he might be, he might be in concussion he protocol. Holds on to the ball, first down, game over. So Arnold did what we needed him to do. Stalchuk ran for 107 yards. The best tweet of the day yesterday that I read, and I, I want to give the person credit. It might have been Parker Thune or it might have been Stoya. What? And I forgive you guys. I, I, I reposted it. So, like, I'm not taking credit for it. I want to make sure somebody else gets credit. But they said, 
it's the most, it's the, one of the weirdest paradoxes they've seen where the defense is responsible for keeping them in the game and giving them a lead. And yet at the same time is the reason why the game is so close and giving them a chance to potentially lose. Like that's what the defense was doing. It was a very weird game that way. Um, so anyway, what, what were your thoughts watching on TV? Okay, yeah. Okay, watching on TV, I thought the offense was good throughout, right? I thought the running game looked good with Sachuk, who is clearly your number one running back, right? Yeah, he looked good. Howie Walker looked okay in his carries, but, I mean, 14 for 109, and with your long being 29, it's not like most of it came on one carry either. So I thought he was consistently good. I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job in protecting Gabriel, too. I thought your receiver did a pretty good job um, of getting open. I like the inside routes a lot. Those were there more than the downfield stuff. Um, but they, what but they, hit, they hit on a downfield one, though. They hit on a downfield to Gibson. Correct. Uh, a long yeah. downfield. And uh, Jackson Arnold, in his first throw downfield, uh, overthrew Nick Anderson by a mile. But Nick Anderson was wide open. Was wide open. He was I think, wide open. I think it was a double I, move. Yeah, I um, – I could have hit Nick Anderson only because I can't throw it as far as, as Jackson Arnold. I think Jackson Arnold, I, I made this comment that, you know, Jackson Arnold's first ever, when it's, when it's you're starting as it's your team and you're starting, that first throw of the year comes against Arkansas State at home. And it's a throwaway and nobody ever sees it, you know. But you came right. off cold, expecting to redshirt. Now you're in a ball game with 65,000 rabid LDS church members going crazy with their cougar tails. And you've got a guy running a guaranteed touchdown running wide open. I think he just, I think he just amped up and you get excited. Overthrew. Look, overthrew. That was not a great position for him to come into the game, right? You feel for any time with the true freshman has to come in and it's not, you know, garbage time. It's not mob duty. This is a big moment. And again, you know, you and I were texting during the game. I just look and the, as soon as the first half starts, I'm like, or the second half starts, I'm like, Jackson Arnold's in the game. The commentators didn't even know it until after the second play. They didn't even mention it until then that he was in the game. And again, they have been no official word from OU yet. So I'm trying to find out what the heck is going on. I'm asking you, have you heard anything there at the stadium? Then they went back and they showed the tackle that he took and his head bounced off the ground yeah. pretty hard. I'm like, okay. And, I, you know, watching it live, I thought it was a big hit, but he popped right up. But yeah. I, it's probably when he got to the sidelines, it's, you know, he probably was a little bit woozy, and they, they checked him out and realized that he probably Listen, had a concussion, at least some, look, some symptoms. I don't know where Gabriel's going to come down with Oklahoma, like, you know, where he's going to kind of be remembered. Maybe it's just like the bridge quarterback, you know, that kind of got us from Riley to whoever or what, you know, maybe it's Jackson or I don't know. But he's a tough kid. I've enjoyed him being yeah. our quarterback this year. He he talks a lot of trash, which I like. He backs it up. Um, he's he's just an so you know for him to pop right back up was not a surprise. But yeah, it was weird. I was I mean I was at the far end, so I was in the south end zone. And when Jackson Arnold took over in the first half, it was at the at the north end zone. And so I'm like looking and like, is that, do I see what I'm seeing? Like, is that who who I think that is? And of course, there's no other OU fans around for me to like confirm that with, you know. And I'm like, is, is that Jackson Arnold? You know, because yeah, BYU like, fans are like, oh, it was Jackson Arnold. I don't even care, you know. So um, that was interesting. But I'll tell you what, defensively, uh, Stutzman playing a blue game, dude goes ten tackles, four solo, a sack, two tackles for loss, and strips the guy uh, with eight forty four in the fourth quarter that led to the saw chunk touch saw chunk touchdown. Are you kidding me? He, he played very well. I didn't realize that he had been uh, that he had been sick until you told me about that. But are you concerned about that run defense? Yes. I couldn't believe yes. what I was seeing here. And it's not like they're running something because you guys are aggressive on defense. And aggressive defense can overrun things. And you can be prone to giving up big plays on misdirection type plays. It wasn't that. They're just running inside zone over and over and yes. over. And it's like he's – Five yards before he's even getting touched. Oh, uh, well, the problem was, and Bowman, we'll talk about Bowman's play here in a second, but Bowman had nine tackles. That's too many tackles. Too many tackles for your your strong safe, free safety, whatever. Seven solo tackles, meaning that's how many game-saving, touchdown-saving tackles he had. If, you're, if your safety has that many solo tackles. Um, yes, they kept rotating in Kanick and Kip Lewis. 
And so it was, I, I thought that maybe once Lewis got in, things would get better, but then they didn't necessarily get better. I'll tell you what, BYU fan was incensed. So let's get to the Billy Bowman play. So it's still 17-17. They're running back, by the way, Aiden Robbins, who went 22 for 182. The guy was 8. running all over. Pop. 8.3 yards of carry. They, they get the ball, and in four plays, they go like 78 yards, all on the ground. Okay? <laughs> First and goal, the guy pulls a Jeff Levy and decides to throw a quick out. And it's like BYU, the crowd, the crowd. So Billy Bowman is then running towards me. That crowd was loud all day. They were in it. I ne- They went deathly quiet. That was the quietest 100-yard return I've ever seen. It was it was surreal. And I'm like the only guy yelling in the state, like, go, Billy, go, Billy, go. You know, like, I just was so excited. They were livid after the game. John. They could not believe that they would – Why they're like, why are we throwing the ball? Why are we, and I was right there with them. I didn't, I didn't have an answer. It I made absolutely an no sense. I mean, they were running at will and got to the – what is it, the two-yard line? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they like, were, at that point, there's no way that you guys are stopping them from running the football. It was like and they, they spread it out and run a stop route. I had the play-by-play pulled up when we were talking about it, but they went like 22, 15, 3, 18 and yards, right? right? There, and, and, then they throw, and then he, and he sprints it out. And we're watching that. I'm watching that with Casey, and he throws it. And first of all, an incredible play by Billy Bowman. And I honestly think if – he doesn't make that play. I'm not we sure he's going to win the game. We lose the game. Right? Absolutely. Sooner magic. He, 100%. He takes it back all the way to the house. And I'm thinking, like, what the heck were you thinking calling a pass play there? It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. How about the Jewish quarterback running him down? The Jewish quarterback attending a Mormon school, playing on a Saturday. I don't know. No judgment. And nearly running down Billy Bowman. Although, by the way, Bowman looked gassed by the time he was inside yeah, the twenty. But, yeah. but that quarterback ran him down, dude. He was like he he got a, he got at least got a shoulder pad on him for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, he did a good job not giving up there. I was surprised that he had the angle and the speed and just the will to even attempt to run him down. If it had been about five yards longer, he would have got him. But yeah, he would have got him. Great dude. play. And we talk about this right having. Guys, game changers on defense, and that, Bowman, that's a game changer. Bowman is that he's guy. an absolute game changer. We've seen it before, right? Last year, you're playing against um, in the Bedlam game, right? They're going, they're throwing to the end zone. He comes from the opposite hash and intercepts Spencer Sanders, right? And those are just big time plays. So, well, again, so cool- I'm still mad. You know, I'm still mad because he was committed to Texas. So, yeah, I'm still mad about that. But yeah, great play by him. He's just turned out to be. An incredible play for you guys. In, in his post game interview, they said, "Hey, tell us what happened on that play." He's like, "Well, the quarter, the coach called a blitz. I was supposed to blitz." He's like, "But the guy was uncovered, so I just, I was like, I'm, I got a better cover the guy. I'm not going to blitz." Like Good. made his own call. Smart. Yeah, smart. I mean, that's what you you have to have that right. I mean, the kid right. is an athlete. He's an instinctive athlete. Is he going to make mistakes? Is he going to be the best safety that's ever played in Oklahoma? No, but he's a darn good one, dude. He's like best really, one we've had really, in a while, though. Best one we've had in a while. Almost a good athlete as his girlfriend. Almost as good an athlete as his girlfriend. Listen, I don't know. uh, I didn't tell Alice this, but I uh, on on the Twitter X, I said that um, Brown O'Haver will offer an NIL deal to their unborn children right now. Okay, just put it on. Put it out. Just put it out there. Men's, women's sport doesn't matter to me. They are gonna. Can you imagine? Like I don't know how genetics like actually works, but I imagine genetics works you, yeah, in you, such you, a way. You got a pretty good chance there. Jeez. You got a you got a good chance. Just like kind of like from a Texas standpoint here. I remember Aaron Ross, our cornerback yeah. on the national championship team. We know he's married to Sonya Richards, who is an Olympic. She won the uh, gold medal in the four hundred. It's unbelievable. And they have a, they have a son now. I'm like, yeah, we just keep an eye on him in a few years. About, oh. you know, twelve years. You have yeah. to, man. You have to. Listen, Arch Arch Manning, they co- talk about him coming from jeans, and it's fine. Whatever. Dude, Jada Coleman, Billy Bowman jeans are just a little different. I mean, holy crap. Different. Yeah, I don't, oh, I'm not man. sure who Arch's mom is, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, long story short, um, I'm, 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 you know what? I didn't even talk about this. I, I, we lo- I lost the pick. You lost the pick. Um, you actually went three and two on picks. 
you went three and two. You're 36, 22 and two. I went uh, one and four. Just a really bad week for me. Only win was Georgia. Um, I the game was. I will tell you the one kind of bad part about the stadium and everything is their turf was terrible. I don't know if you can tell. Oh, that field. No, that was one of the worst fields I've ever seen. This is big time college football, and it's 2023. They, they got to get it fixed. BYU cannot have a field like that. They got to get it especially fixed. in the Big 12 now. Come on, Dude, they have they is, have re- they have receivers in motion falling down. Yeah, I, several times. Yeah, several times. Listen, they got to call your guy because whoever does OU setting, you guys do a good job. Your turf stays, you know, even with the horrible weather we have here, right? Or they got to switch the turf. One of the two has to happen, but it yeah. can't be like that. No, no. You're, you're the play suffers, and then you're going to have guys that are tearing and pulling their groins, slipping and sliding on that field. Yeah. Can't happen. Yeah, can't um, happen. You're a big time program, BYU. Outside of that, uh, the food was great. Went to a kolache place in the morning. Went to an El, Sa- El Salvadorian place in the afternoon after the game. Went to Moochie's on Friday night, uh, where they have a world famous uh, featured on. Uh, dine-in drivers and dives what's it called whatever oh yeah dive drive-in and dives yeah yeah with guy fieri uh just a freaking tremendous meatball sub um anyway georgia's i mean utah's a, a really great place to visit it i will say this though and people from austin that are listening to this podcast will understand and appreciate it is um it's been a lot all, all the a lot of california people have since moved there over the last 10 years so when I visited, like even in 2016, there was, it felt, it felt open. It felt, you know, not, not as much traffic. It was like, man, this is going to be a great place to live. Dude, it's filled in. There's been a lot of people coming from California. Crazy. And the problem is it's, it's in a valley, right? So there's only so much growth that can happen east to west. So kind of everything goes north to south and just kind of creates some tra- traffic was, uh, traffic was kind of ugly and stuff. But it's different. Yeah. It's crazy. It's changed so quick. I would love if we could get a home and home with BYU. Like um, it was just, it was really enjoyable. And also one other thing, and then we'll talk about Texas. Uh, I think I sent it to you and I don't know if I don't, did you see, or did I send you the video that BYU produced on the Selman brothers? No, no, not at all. I haven't oh, seen it. all right. I'll forward it to you after this, but for everybody else, uh, check, uh, check my Twitter, check Twitter, uh, wherever you get your stuff. BYU actually produced a video on the Selman brothers. They created it. They interviewed the two living Selman brothers, Dewey and Lucius, uh, Zach Selman, uh, the current AD at Mississippi State, Barry Switzer, um, Barry Trammell, the uh, guy working now working for the sellout. It was so well done, dude. And it appealed to so many fans. For, for all the right reasons. The Selman brothers, they're a good story. Everybody knows that. They're, they're Oklahoma royalty. But just the way that BYU perceived them was really, really cool. Just another really classy thing that BYU does. It just makes you like, why aren't we playing these guys more? Because yeah. it, we're going to miss, you know, you're not going to get that at the SEC. LSU in producing a video of your, you know, historic figures in your league. You know what I mean? They're, they're throwing corn dogs at you and throwing beer on top of you. So it's just going to be a little different in the SEC. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, I'll forward it to you, but you need to check it out. And for all you listeners out there are watching, make sure you check it out. It was a really well – it's eight minutes long, nothing too crazy. Really, really well done video. Kevin, we're already running long again, but we got to finish up with Texas. A huge win for you guys. We've already talked about it. Quinn looked good. C.J. Baxter looked good. Your receivers look good. Sweat is making a case to be a first-team All-American. Give me your biggest takeaway from that game and give me uh, what you think it's going to take to beat Tech on Friday. Yeah, man, it just seems like the the program is just maturing, right? We're, we're getting these wins in these situations where we don't normally get these wins, right? We don't normally finish out the TCU game. We don't beat K-State. We don't win this game on the road in this kind of environment this late in the season, right? We've seen it with Charlie Strong. We saw it with Coach Tom Herman. We've even seen it with the first two years under Sark, right? We get into these situations where everything is on the line and we just cannot handle the pressure. And what I'm seeing is just a maturation and just a program developing. It's really cool to see the recruiting is good. Yeah, I was just really impressed uh, 
by the team yesterday, just in all, really in all three phases of the game. Glad to be done playing Iowa State, right? They've been a yes. thorn in our side. Yes. I'm Both. sure a Sooner fan can say yeah. the exact same thing, right? Matt Campbell was giving us all hell. So glad to be moving on from them. And looking forward to this Tech game, Joy McGuire is going to have everything ready to go for us. But we got to be ready, like Sark said, right? We got to give them our best shot and be the aggressor when it comes to playing against them because we know that with them at their best, against us at our best, it's not close. So we got to handle business and get, and get to Arlington the next week. Listen, listen, you've answered the bell. You've answered the bell every time. It's Texas Tech. You should be Texas Tech. They're not any good. Like, you should be Texas Tech. Uh, I just um, – for Oklahoma, it's not even a matter of rooting against you because it doesn't matter for us. We, we need an Oklahoma State loss. So, this, for the sake of the podcast, I'm saying just go beat Texas Tech. Like, answer the bell one last time. Um, there's a, But the, the OU fan in me, who's maybe not a host of a podcast that features Texas, is thinking, I don't know if I trust it yet. It, I don't even know if you trust it yet. But if Quinn does and that team does, I think you go ahead and, and you beat Texas Tech at home. Yeah, just handle business, right? Run the ball, make big plays in the passing game, play good defense like you've been doing. I don't care what the score looks like, man, covering a point spread, whatever. Even though we did cover against Iowa State, just yeah. win the game. Win the game, get to Arlington, see how it goes, and see, you know, see where we end up. If we end up in a bowl game or somehow slip into the college football playoff, again, my expectation for them going into the season was just to win the Big 12. They're in a position to do that. Let's make it happen. Um, to all the listeners out there, it's going to be a weird week. I'm not sure when we're going to get you a preview episode, but we will do our best to get you a preview episode. Um, cause it's a big game for Texas for Oklahoma, a chance to go 10 and two and kind of write the ship, um, in terms of the direction the program's heading against TCU at home. So we will figure it out. We will get you the content you've been looking for, but for all you out there who've been listening, thank you so much for continuing to listen, like it, share it, subscribe it, whatever it is you're supposed to do. We appreciate you guys. Kevin, enjoy the rainy afternoon. Enjoy the football on TV. And uh, we'll talk later this week. Boomer. Okay.